All right. Well, here we are for the third part in our series on uh, snowflakes and homesteaders. And as you can probably tell, Jonathan Garland is not here. That is not him. Um, I got my good friend Pete Monday with me here today. And what we're going to do today is we're going to describe really um, this process um, in counseling that we've both gotten to be a part of. And so, but first, let me just kind of recap for a moment, because what I realized once we got into this series, as Garland and I were talking, is we um, we said, are you a homesteader or are you a snowflake? And we sort of defined that as people who talk about their emotions too much, right? Mm. Their emotions rule them and people who never talk about their emotions. But I have to confess, snowflake comes across as a much more derogatory term than homesteader does. And so if you ask someone if they're a snowflake, they would be like, no, and don't call me that, right? <laughs> you ask someone if they're a homesteader, like, yeah, I'm a homesteader, right? Um, the reality is what we're really trying to describe is this distinction um, of two extremes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's completely ruled by their emotion and all that right. matters is their feelings, um, and one that never talks about those things and says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Nobody cares. Work harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And is there a middle ground? And uh, really specifically in the area of counseling. And so um, I believe you saw the episode where Garland and I talked about the first time we ever heard a pastor talk about counseling. And so give us a little bit of your history, Pete, because you bring some unique elements to the table so that people know sort of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, I identify with being both a snowflake and a homesteader because I think depending on where I'm at in my life, uh, sometimes I can shut down and put that shield up, and then sometimes I can just emote and cry like a baby. But um, And you're a musician, right? <laughs> yeah, An artist absolutely. By, by trade in the past. Absolutely. So I, um, that's one of the ways I, it's almost therapeutic for me to, to write a song, get that emotion out of there, and I'd, I'd always feel better because it was on paper and it was in a song and it was kind of like done with. Um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed this, uh, this podcast, by the way. Uh, it's been really nice in the recliner at night listening to it. So I just want to say I'm a big fan. Yeah. You quit so. watching Jimmy Fallon just to watch this podcast. Tonight, I did. Right. Yeah. Good. Good. I did. And I was a 100th <laughs> subscriber, just so you know. So that's what you were. So, but yeah, um, I grew up definitely. Um, so I grew up Church of Christ. I grew up on the mission field. I was born um, in Nicosia, Cyprus. Um, and so, um, yeah, you know, I got to watch my dad and his, uh, his colleagues go door to door with suits and ties and the whole three-piece vest and like 85 degrees, you know, knocking on doors. <laughs> um, and I would say growing up uh, in that culture, um, you know, I learned a lot about the Bible, uh, prayer life and stuff, but it, it, it definitely was, I would say, uh, frowned upon if, if, a, if a preacher, you know, called them preachers back then, um, you, know, you know, had to go to, um, you know, therapy or see a shrink, they would say. I mean, it was definitely looked down upon. And I think that um, would definitely have those guys gravitate to being um, being a little bit more shielded up and not sharing stuff because the more they'd share, would be like, oh, maybe you're weak in the faith. Maybe you shouldn't right. be a preacher and you need another vocation. Yeah, Garland d- described it a couple of weeks ago um, that it was okay to get counseling if you had had 
gross moral failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if something mm-hmm. devastating had happened, then yeah, we'd help you get yeah. counseling. But it was yeah. only for those situations, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, and I even took that on early in my ministry. I was like, well, um, you know, first I'm saved, and then I'm, um, you know, serving in a church, and then okay, now I'm on staff. Well, I better have it together. Uh, and I would even have. Um, you know, I would even like overhear pastors maybe joking that they did an altar call and their staff came down. And it was kind of joking, like, that was not good, but what if the staff came down for an altar call type thing right. and just gave their hearts, you know, <laughs> regave their hearts to Jesus? So, um, so yeah, I think early on, I definitely took on what I'd learned, I'd have to say. So then, so you were a missionary kid, then came stateside and were mm-hmm. a pastor's kid. Yep, yep. And then your dad worked as a cop for a while as well. That's right. So you got all kinds of issues. The cop kid, the CK, yeah. Well, yeah, law-abiding citizen, never, um, you know, you couldn't go over 55, you know, you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I had a, a couple interesting instances, um, and I'll just share them here. Um, I was actually on the cross-country team, and we would run at night a lot. And there was this uh, church that looked like an upside-down cupcake uh, and we were also uh, rock climbers as well. So we decided to climb this upside-down cupcake church. Um, <laughs> we got on top, and all of a sudden we saw three cop cars pull up with their lights off. And we were like, hmm, how come those cop cars have their lights off? <laughs> all of a sudden, boom, here comes the lights, and uh, basically got arrested. Uh, this is my senior year in high school, and my dad came to pick me up at the police station um, now, was he a cop at this time? Or yes, pastor? he was. Okay. Yes. So he came to the, the police station where he worked at, like he knew everybody there. Um, <laughs> it was a... Huge blessing for him. <laughs> yes. I would say he was very, um, very quiet uh, picking us up, but it was interesting. There was like some jokes and snickers in the background to his, to his colleagues, um, but it was a very quiet ride home to say the least. So, <laughs> so in a literal, because in Christian circles, we talk about legalism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you literally grew up in this environment, a really strict church environment, right? Yeah. So a, a religious environment, um, but then you also grew up in this legal legalistic environment. And so you felt these added pressures over time to perform? Yeah, I would say so to have a sort of a reflection of my dad, maybe uh, as a as a preacher that he was and a cop that he was. Um, And, you know, overall, uh, you know, I guess I kept that going pretty good, you know, in high school. But um, I think what brought me closer to God in each instance of my life was brokenness. Um, and that's what eventually led me to going, you know, I, I think I'm going to get therapy. Um, but it took a long time and it took a brokenness to get to that, that point. Yeah. So you and I have both, uh, encountered the same sort of process that I described in the initial, um, session in the, in this particular topic, but, um, it's Christ Life Ministries, and it's really designed for church leaders. And Garland and I made the distinction, we're not saying everyone needs or everyone should get professional counseling, right, licensed. or. Mm. And so we're using these terms like therapy, counseling, those things rather loosely, but it's more than just my friend giving me some advice, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. it's like, now I need someone who has some expertise in an area to help me navigate these things. And so for me personally, um, 
this opportunity to sit and talk with Greg, uh, to process through some issues in my life, brought about some profound results mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You've had a similar experience. Um, could you just sort of describe that? Yeah, I like what you said about having someone who knows what you're going through. Um, so Greg was also a worship pastor, and, and so I was a worship pastor for 12 years, and, and he, just some of the lingo that he would know, um, you know, the life I lived. He, mm-hmm. had, he had lived it. Um, and so that was a huge... Huge part of it. I mean, for me, shining uh, a light uh, on um, things in my life and just talking about them uh, almost immediately would make them better. Um, so just talking to them, someone that you could trust. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, for Greg, it was on uh, you know FaceTime. You know, it was it was uh, uh, he was in Michigan. But for me to just sit down for an hour, hour and a half, and just and just process through uh, stuff that I'd been through was just extremely valuable in my life. That's, that was, you know, my experience had been, it was, I felt this relief or Mm, some of the pressure off just by being able to talk out loud. Right. Um, and then making it all the way to sort of that, that last piece in this process with, with Greg in particular, where I'm taking that issue and, and going to the Lord with it. Right. Right. And saying, okay, how do you want to touch this thing? How do you want to heal this thing? Because what I had concluded is I was done trying to just manage brokenness or weakness, mm. right? What I actually wanted to see was that God had the capacity to heal it. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I was able so to sort of go through this process, right? Um, what are these unprocessed wounds that lead to distorted perspectives that lead to un, you know, uh, unprocessed. Yeah. They lead to these emotions, right. right, right that are right. out of proportion and right. those lead to these unhealthy lifestyle choices. And so once I was able to identify all the way back here, the distortion, mm-hmm. um, then I could take that to the Lord and say, mm-hmm. all right, am I only valuable if I'm always right? Mm-hmm. Right. That was one I had believed. Um, right. and so, now having this experience, like hearing truth spoken to that thing, mm-hmm. identifying where it came from, um, has been a profoundly liberating experience for me. I would have said prior to, to making my way through this process, um, I believe what we could hope for at best was managing mm-hmm. our brokenness or weakness. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now I believe, uh, I think the Lord's intention is actually yeah. to heal it. Yeah. Yeah. What you said really hit, hit a nerve with me because, um, with emotions being a songwriter and I'm just naturally, uh, an emotive guy, I guess, but, but realizing some of those emotions were dysfunctional and that's, that was a piece that, um, really got brought out and, and it's, you know, cool with a guy like Greg, you know, almost, it's not so much him that brings it out, but it's sometimes the Lord and you who just bring it out yourself. You're just yeah. like, man, this is this is a dysfunctional piece for me, and right. um, I definitely realize that. I mean, not not all emotions are bad, of course, but some are definitely dysfunctional, and that's what really got pointed out right. with me. Yeah, because and and Gara mentioned this, I think, in the in the second uh, episode in this one, where um, no, we actually have access to the full range of emotion, right? Mm. That God designed us with emotion. Yeah. What we're really specifically talking about, and 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 Greg calls them the the 
210, right? This should have been a two on the scale emotionally, but for yes. some reason this event yes. was a 10. Well, where does that come from? Like what, right. what triggers it in that way? That's exactly and it. And so now I can respond emotionally. That's fine, but it's not dysfunctional um, and then not destructive to those mm-hmm. that I'm yeah. leading to my kids. Um, I've, yeah. I found it to be really helpful. Um, so, you mind giving an example of how it's changed something for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as that specific piece of reacting uh, in a dysfunctional way uh, or having just a dysfunctional emotion by the way someone had said something to you, for me, it, it was just calling it out. Um, just being just by myself or murmuring it underneath my breath, the thing that I did, you know. And before, um, it would just be suppressing it. Hmm. Uh, just suppressing it. And then it would just build the more suppression and compression mm-hmm. it was, it would just build more, um, and have more energy, bad energy really. Um, but just calling it out for me, it was something Greg and I worked on just to just saying it. And then, you know, eventually, um, you know, just talking to my wife about it as well, just being mm-hmm. you know, just open with it. Um, this is what happened. Uh, you know, and even if a comment was, um, you know, was offensive or, or, or maybe was, uh, validated, um, you know, reacting in that way is not right. So, um, for me, it was just calling it out and saying it. So it's interesting because I think often in, in good leaders, people may never know that you have this emotional reaction Mm. to something. It may just be internal. And so for me, I'll give an example. It's a real life example, but sitting around the table with my team, um, I we're talking about a sermon that's coming up, and I bring up a quote from Robert Kiyosaki, right? His book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. And one of the guys on my team, right, who has a photographic memory. I mean, I know he's more intelligent than I am. <laughs> I know he's going to be right when he says this, and he says, actually, that's not what that quote says. This is what it says. <laughs> now, something in me from that moment moving forward had to prove, nope, it actually says what I said it said. Even though I knew that it most likely did not, unless this was the 0.1% of the time that this person was wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I had internally this emotion rise up, and, and it took me a while to figure mm. out not just what it was, but to, to figure out where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, being able to look back, identify things in our past that... Um, might not have been terrible, but they shaped the way we view God. Mm. They shaped the way we value ourselves. Um, And so I had had these experiences way back where I had come to the conclusion that in order to be followable, I must be right. Mm. And that was causing me to engage in these unhealthy ways, right? I'm going to waste the next 15 minutes while everyone else is having the staff meeting looking for a quote on the internet that more accurately, (laughs) you know, says I was right. Um, and, and, And I could identify that and then I could begin to work my way towards, okay, what does the Lord want to say to that? Because it's going to express itself in some ways. And I found that really helpful. Um, and so I think, um, for me, this this process, the willingness to um, not just pursue counseling, but to have mm. permission from my church, from my friends, mm. from my wife. Um, uh, I mean, the goal is wholeness, right? The goal mm. is health. The goal isn't to spend the rest of our lives discovering, oh, no, I'm still broken, right? Absolutely um, right, right. And I think for one of the first times in my life, I understand that, that yeah. um, 
these tools are available and yeah. useful and have experienced the liberty and freedom that comes with them. Yeah, they are. I think going back and figure out where those are from. And that was some of the work that I did of just family origin stuff, just digging back into the past. It's maybe a little painful, but when you come out on the other end, I'll tell you, it is, it is, I mean, it was very freeing for me for sure to figure out why I was uh, feeling the way I was feeling, just like you were saying. Um, I, I was going to say too, what you were saying about pursuing um, therapy or counseling. Um, that's a good one because I feel like you, you might have to try a couple of times to find that right fit and right. don't be discouraged if, you know, that first time out, it, it just wasn't a fit. It wasn't working. You know, you have to yeah. find that right fit for you. And I know that was my case. I had to, I think Greg was like my third, third try at it actually. Okay. So that was something I would just, it, some, I, I felt like God was calling me to that. So I just kept going and sure there was a little, little turns in the road, but I think that is important right. to keep, keep pursuing it until you find that right fit. Yeah. And, and I think to, to clarify, right, it, in, in this case in particular, like after trying some licensed professionals, what you found was this biblical counseling, mm-hmm. you know, but I think the, the, the need for um, someone with perspective that is different than yours, who has had experience, um, it's different than just talking to my friend about my problems, Absolutely. although my friend could through the Holy Spirit, right, provide an answer to the, yeah. the question. Yeah. There is certainly a value in having an outside voice who has experience and, and training helping me, because that's what a real counselor does. They ask the right questions. Absolutely. Right? They lead you to yeah. hearing from the Lord. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's what I liked about Greg. I mean, there was a lot of kind of getting to know each other first, which I really, really appreciated, um, because then I knew who I was talking to, right? I knew he had the worship pastor experience and... Um, but just also, I felt like he had talked to a lot of guys like me mm-hmm. as well that had been through the same thing. So, you know, his experience going through it numerous times, I think, helped a lot. But, I mean, it was something I would do it again. I would go for round two, you know, and yeah. might be time to do that. Who knows? So. <laughs> especially after this. Talk. Yeah, especially after this podcast. <laughs> I'll have to go get therapy after it. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree with you. There, there are things that I'm still thinking about. I'm like, I want to sit down and talk with someone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about this issue and and being able to do that with someone who's not going to be shocked by anything you tell them right mm-hmm. um there's there's something beneficial about knowing that nope he's heard it all yeah. it's like going to your doctor your yes. doctor's seen it all right so you're going to let them give you input and insight based on their experience yeah, um, yeah and for me i wanted to I, I i feel a call on my life to minister and i wanted to do that well and that was the that it's going to help you minister to other people. Yeah. And, and, and I definitely uh, felt the benefits of that, you know, after I was done with the sessions, but time after time has passed, I can see value of going back now because I've really digest yeah. a lot of the stuff that we went over. So yep. um, yeah, time's a big component of it. Nice. Well, that's uh, all the time we have for today. Um, but I just want to say thanks for tuning in. It's helpful to us um, if you do the like, share, subscribe, um, and share it with your friends. Let people know if you find this beneficial. We also love your feedback. Um, love to hear from you things that you'd like to hear us talk about, things you'd like for us to do differently. We may or may not take it, but hey, we want you to know we're grateful that you're tuning in and hope this is beneficial to you. And uh, we'll catch you next week.